Hey, this is Taylor and welcome back to another message from Elevate Retake. Today's message comes from the series Revive and it is shared by Jonathan Aguinaga, who is a Keene Church student pastor. So the title of our sermon today is I Surrender. Your engaged question is what are you holding on to that you know you need to let go of? A key text we will be taking a look at is found in Galatians 5, verse 25, and it reads, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Along with this is our key theme for this message. When we choose the Holy Spirit, He will revive us from the death of sin, and we can begin to live like Him. Dear Lord, I want to thank you so much for bringing us here today to worship you. You are such an awesome and amazing God, and you have been with us throughout this series and throughout the rest of and all of this year, and including the rest of our lives as well. As we delve into this sermon today, Lord, I ask that these words be your words and not mine. Help us to think of that thing that we need to give up in our lives and help us to have the strength to give it to you completely so that we can be made into the person that you want us to be. In your name we pray, amen. So if you will, if you have your Bibles with me, I ask that you turn to Galatians chapter 5. The verses should all be on the screen, but because I love when we turn to the Bibles, please turn there with me. I'm going to ask that we turn to Galatians 5 verse 19. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. And so I want to begin with a little bit of a preface before we jump in so that I explain why we're going to go over what we're going over. You see, in order to understand our need for the Holy Spirit, we have to understand who we are. We have to understand our need for the Holy Spirit. We are all sinners, as the Bible tells us. And so this gives us a brief overview of what sin is in general. There are many different Bible verses that that discuss this idea of what sin is. This is a pretty complete list, if you ask me. Let's jump through. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Strong words from Paul, the author of Galatians. He goes through this very big list in what I consider to be a pretty complete list. There might be an et cetera in there somewhere. If you don't fall under this list, then you might find yourself on a different one. The point being, all the way from murder to something that we might not consider to be as big of a deal, something like envy and heresies, All of these different things that Paul describes, if you fall under any of these categories in any way, shape, or form, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. Mm. So what are the consequences of sin? Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, this is what it says. For we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not a single one of us is exempt from this rule. We are all sinners. We have all fallen under this category in Galatians chapter 5 more than once, at least one time. And because of that, we have fallen short and will not 
inherit the kingdom of God. But my friends, that's not where it ends. There is hope. The Bible tells us that we have an opportunity to be forgiven of what we have done. First John chapter 1 and verse 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to be cleansed, cleanse all of us from all of our unrighteousness. Can I get an amen for that verse? That we are all sinners. We all know that we are sinners. And we know that the consequence of sin is death. Romans 6.23 tells us that. But we can be forgiven and have a new life because of Jesus. But my friends, I don't tell you this because this is something new. We all know this. This is something we've grown up knowing. We have been told time and time again what sin looks like. We've been told time and time again that we don't deserve to be in heaven because of our sin, but that we have been given the opportunity from Jesus anyways because he loves us. And all he's asking is that we go to him and, and tell him, look, I'm sorry for what I've done. Please forgive me. And he says that he will. He says that he will forgive us. But that's not all. Because it's not enough to know. It's not enough to know that you are a sinner. It's not enough to know that you deserve death. And it's not enough to know that Jesus can and will forgive you if you ask. You have to do it. You have to ask for forgiveness and mean it. Because what's the point of asking for forgiveness of sins if you're never going to change? I can ask for forgiveness for my one sin in my life a thousand times, a thousand times, a thousand times, my friends. But if I still go back, has the Holy Spirit entered my heart? Or have I been using Jesus to be free from my sin temporarily so that I can do it again and ask for forgiveness another time and another time and another time? Hmm. James chapter 1 continues on this idea. James chapter 1, starting in verse 22, introduces us to the idea that we have to be more than just hearers, that we have to be doers as well. If you'll read with me. James chapter 1, 22 through 24. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. What an interesting analogy that James uses in this passage. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if you're a hearer and not a doer, it's like you're looking in a mirror and walking away and completely forgetting everything that you just saw. Because what do you look in a mirror for, my friends? You look in a mirror because you want to see if there's anything that you need to fix. Is my hair doing okay? Do I need to fix it? Is my makeup doing good? Do I, need to make, do I need to make any corrections to my eyelashes, to my skin tone? Is there anything that I need to do to make myself look presentable to the world? I'd like to say that this mirror that we're looking in is the mirror that Jesus is showing us, saying, this is who you are. This is what we need to fix. Let me help you to fix that problem. And oftentimes we look in that mirror and we go, you're right, I do need to fix that. And we walk out of the mirror. We walk and we don't see ourselves in the mirror anymore. And it's like we completely forgot everything that we just saw. 
we forget that we have these flaws. Sometimes we get temporary help. And we like to claim that as our help. Oh, I did that thing. I made myself better. I gave, I gave that person a Bible study. Therefore, I'm a better Christian because of that. No, 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 no. But be not just hearers, not just talkers, but that we live what we preach. There's a story, how, how, how many of you remember the tsunami that struck in 2004 up in the Indian Ocean? Anybody? Anybody? A couple of people here and there. I remember when it happened, I was six years old, and I wish my brother was here today because he could confirm or deny the story because I have a pretty terrible memory. <laughs> so if I, am re am I re if I am recounting this story incorrectly to you, he would be the one to tell you because he was there. So I remember my parents had... Of course, everyone saw it. It was the biggest news of the time in 2004. And when it happened, my parents became, uh, they were so struck and hurt by it, they wanted to buy a documentary to learn more about what happened, uh, the lives of people, how they were affected afterward. And so they bought a documentary and they brought it home. I remember they told Carlos and I, they told us, don't watch it <laughs> because we were very young and they told us this will probably hurt you and scar you because this is pretty traumatizing stuff for six-year-olds. So don't watch it. Well, we watched it because from our bedroom, the hallway looked directly to the TV. So my parents turned it on and so my brother and I were peering around the corner and we're watching the documentary with them when they told us not to. I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, I know. So... <laughs> So point being, here's the scene that's playing on the TV. There's a beach. Tons of people on the beach, having a good time, splashing in the water, throwing beach balls around. And the siren, the tsunami siren rings out. And everybody is running and jumping to get to safety. People are yelling on the beach, there is a tsunami coming, we have to get off, we have to get to higher ground, because when the tsunami comes, if you are on the beach, you are going to die, you have to get to higher ground. So everyone left. Everyone did, they did just that. They went to their beach lofts that had a second or even third floor, they ran into the city where there were even taller buildings, they got off the beach. But if you know how a tsunami works, you know that the tsunami doesn't come directly after the siren. There is a moment of peace and calm before the storm. The sea has never looked calmer than before the tsunami actually strikes. And so this couple, who had left the beach when it first rang, came right back, parked themselves right in front of the seashore with their lawn chairs. Oh, I, I don't see the tsunami. What are you talking about? The siren must have been malfunctioning. Must be something wrong with it. I, I don't see the tsunami. I'm okay. Next thing you know, a wave, I think 20, maybe even taller than that, crashed onto the shore. They were washed away. 200,000 people died to that tsunami. And, though, and that couple who went right back on the shore is considered to be a part of that number. It's a tragedy, really. And I remember as I was thinking back on, on something that went along with this theme of being hearers and, and being more than just hearers and being doers only, how many times have we heard the warning to get off the beach? We are living in a time where the sand underneath our feet is slowly and slowly vanishing away as the current of sin, as the tide is coming in and it's washing away what our support 
and we hear God calling us and saying, you have to get off the beach. You have to get off the beach. There's a high ground that I can offer you because we know that the Lord Jesus is a rock. He's the rock of our salvation. And he tells us that if we are planted on the rock that he tells us to plant ourselves on, we will not be washed away. Doesn't he tell us that? And sometimes we do. We follow Jesus when he first tells us to. And then we get comfortable. And we look back and we notice, wait, the tsunami hasn't struck yet. The water looks pretty calm. A lot of us make the mistake of thinking that when we become a Christian, life is going to become even easier. That once we climb the rock and get to the top, that's it. That's not it. It's so easy to look back at the sin that we used to go to to get temporary fixing, a temporary help, and go, the waters over there look really calm compared to this really tall cliff that I have to climb. And sometimes we choose to forget the process of climbing with Jesus and go right back to the shores that we know are going to eventually erupt, that we know are going to eventually overtake us, and yet we still decide to go back and park ourselves, waiting for the sin to overtake us to where a point where we can't come back from the sin. A tsunami is coming. Are we ready? Are we listening to the call of Jesus? Are we surrendering who we are today and telling Jesus to use me and take me as I am and make me into who you want me to be? Psalm 119 verse 105 tells us that God's word is a lamp to my feet, to our feet here elevate, and a light to our path. Because when the Lord tells us to go on to the higher ground, he will light the way for us even when it's dark outside. Even when the stormy clouds are above our heads and there's lightning and there's rain pouring and the rocks are slippery because that's the way that life is sometimes, he's told us he will light the way and guide us even when we cannot see the finish line. He still will get us there, amen? That's the God that I serve. That's the God that we all serve, amen? Because if we surrender and go where Jesus is leading, we can be saved from the tsunami of sin. We can be saved but we have to choose Jesus because Jesus will never force us to choose him. He never will. He's asking that we choose to be saved according to the will of the Holy Spirit. When we choose the Holy Spirit, he will revive us. Revive, that's our, theory, that's, that's our series theme this week, is being revived. When we choose the Holy Spirit, we will be revived from the death that sin brings us and brought into a new life, walking in the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So what does that mean, Pastor? What does that mean when you walk in the Holy Spirit, Lord? What does that mean? What does that mean? Hmm. So if you will, what is Galatians chapter 5? We'll go back a little bit further. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. What does Galatians say about the walking in the Holy Spirit? Galatians 5.16 says, If I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. My friends, that is good news, right? We're told if we walk in the Spirit, sin cannot overtake us anymore. That's good news. Amen? Isn't that good news that the Lord says, if you choose to walk in my path, nothing can stand against you. So how can we walk in the Lord's path? How does he want us to live in the Spirit? Verses starting in verse 22. This is what it means to walk in the Spirit. And we all know these, right? For the fruit of the Spirit is, if you'll say it with me, love, joy, 
peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Against such there is no law, my friends. The law of sin cannot overtake you if you are living according to the Holy Spirit. The law of destruction and death cannot overtake you and win if you are with the Holy Spirit. There is nothing that can tear you down and make you stay down if you're with the Holy Spirit. Because if we're living in love, we're loving our brothers and sisters as Jesus told us to. Bringing them home and showing them there's a message of hope in the midst of a world that is getting darker and darker every single day. Living and being a joy in a world filled with anger and pain. Looking at us and saying, I want the joy that that person has. I want the love that this person says he brings because of Jesus. Being peace on an earth where there is no peace. Being long-suffering with those who have fallen short because we have been just like them. We are all sinners. We've been there. And some of us are still there. We're still in the thick of it. We're still in the heat. But we are long-suffering for those who are struggling and saying, Lord, I want you to use me, but I have this sin that's holding me back. Long-suffering for those who are struggling, my friends. Kindness and goodness. The world needs kindness and goodness. And the Bible is asking us to bring the kindness and goodness of the world that is slowly losing these things. Being faithful according to the plan that the Lord says he is going to do. Lo and behold, I will come back for you. Do we believe this? Do we really believe it? Or do we just say that we believe it? Because faithfulness is something that you have every single day. Trusting that the Lord and what he told you will come true. That he will never fail you. Gentleness and self-control. Gentle with our fellow believers. Gentle with those who are not in the church. And self-control because the temptations of life do not go away when we become a Christian. Sin will still knock at your door. Who will you let in? Will you let in Jesus? Or will you lose your control and let the devil in? Because when we live according to these principles, there is no law. The law of sin is done away with when we live according to Jesus himself. Hmm. You see, the book we're studying, Steps to Personal Revival, I don't know if we have the quote on the screen, but if, if not, I'll read it anyways. It says this, Through daily surrender and through being daily filled with the Holy Spirit, our lives will be beneficially changed. As a result, our new life in Christ will be preserved and will bear fruit. This happens during our personal worship time. When we accept the Holy Spirit and we are daily filled with a sense of rejuvenation and joy and peace. And our lives will be changed, not for the worse, but for the better because of Jesus himself. Jesus who said, I will be your God no matter what. I will love you. No matter what, this way that I've given you is not going to go away. No matter what the world may tell you, I will remain steadfast and built on this rock that I built for you, that I want you to stand on with me so we can live together for Jesus forever and ever in heaven one day. Can I get an amen for that? Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, our scripture reading for the day says this. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Because I can say all day, my friends, I can say that I've surrendered and given all. 
But if I'm not walking in the spirit, what am I doing? I can say all day that I'm a changed person, that I've really accepted Jesus, that I am doing better. But if we are not living according to the spirit, what are we doing? When we walk in the spirit, we are choosing to walk with Jesus, putting Jesus in front of us and ahead of us to take care of the problems that this life throws us. Because our God is a God who saves in the good and in the bad. Our God is a God who is by my side no matter what I am going through. A God who is with you while you are sinning, while you are suffering, and says, I will grab you and pull you out. I will pull you up the rock if I have to, as long as you outstretch your hands to me. Our God wants us to be in heaven and will give us a way to get there if we say, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender my sin. I surrender what is holding me back from choosing God completely. Because my friends, we're on the beach. We're on the beach. And there is a storm coming. Are we ready for the storm? When Jesus is calling us and telling us to be on the higher rock, to go on the rock that will never fall, are we going to the rock? Or are we staying where we are because we're comfortable? Are we comfortable with our sin? Or would we rather live freely in Jesus, who promised us freedom no matter what? Who promised us freedom as long as we say, use me, Lord. Take what I have and make it yours. My little that I give, I know you can do so much with it. A God who can turn two fish and three loaves of bread into food for 5,000 people can turn the little that we have to offer into something bigger than we can ever imagine. That's the God that I serve. The waves of sin are bashing against our shores. And slowly and slowly and slowly, those who are standing on the beach are losing ground to stand. And God is offering us a higher way. Because he sees you in your suffering. He sees what you're going through. He sees that these shores and these waves of sin are battering against you. And he wants to take you and give you a place where we can stand firm and never have to worry that our foundation will go away. The story of the man who built his rock, his house on the rock, and the storm came and his house remained. The house that Jesus has built us will never go away if we choose to live on the rock of salvation. Today, I'm asking that we surrender anything in your life, anything in your life that is holding you back from being completely changed and used by the Holy Spirit. I ask that we give it up. As I look back in my life, as I think even today, what can I give up? What can I give to Jesus? so that I can be used according to his plan and his message. Because it's not enough to know. It's not enough to know that we're in need. It's not enough to know that we are deserving of death. And it's not enough to know that Jesus can save us. We need to claim it and make it ours and surrender what is keeping us back from claiming it. Because when we accept Jesus into our lives, when we make Jesus our savior, our forerunner in everything, we will never fall. Nothing can stand against us when we have Jesus on our side. Am I right? Who here wants to stand with me today and say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender what's keeping me here at the beach and I want to give everything to you and walk and climb on that mountain to safety. The only safety that can be given is the safety that Jesus gives us. Let us choose to surrender our sin 
completely. And let's choose to let our actions do the talking instead of our own words. Surrendering what is holding us back from being the people that Jesus is asking, asking us to be. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are all sinners here today. We are sinners who have a purpose because of you. We are sinners, Lord, but you still said, I love you anyways. We are sinners, Lord, and you still look at us in the middle of our sin and go, that's my child, no matter what. We are sinners, Lord, and we want to give our sin to you. And we know that when we give our sin to you and mean it and completely leave it at your feet, you will take us and transform us and we will be the people that we need to be to survive what is coming. Because Lord, a storm is coming and if we're not awake, I need you to wake us up. I need you to prepare us, Lord, because sometimes this world gets too much and it is overbearing and sometimes it brings us down. But Lord, if we are clinging to you, you can lift us right back up when we fall down on our feet. Lord, we want to make you our God in all situations, according to all of the things that you teach us. I ask that you fill us with your Holy Spirit as we go out. And as we think about the question, what do we need to give up? That you will help us to identify what in our lives is holding us back. That you give us the strength to give it all to you. In your name we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Living in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. It is a struggle and it is also a daily surrender that we bring to God every single morning or whenever you might do your devotion and say, Lord, this is all yours. I also wanna point out that it is so awesome. Each and every one of our walks with Christ looks different and that is okay. He loves the personal relationship with each and every one of us. The idea is that we learn to act and not only to listen. I really hope you enjoyed listening to I Surrender by Jonathan as much as I did. It was an awesome experience and I want to encourage you to stay tuned for our Elevate Retake, which is going to be produced later this week, where I get to sit down with Jonathan and Pastor Michael and talk about what the daily surrender looks like. So stay tuned for that and we'll see you soon.